you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Big Bad Blogger Boys. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by Truist. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and Patrick Claibon. What is up, boys? Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. This is the week where we take what we normally do, and we just try harder. You thought we were trying hard before? Now we're trying harder. All right, and, and on, the, on the subject of trying harder, um, we all wish Wes was with us right now, and we've talked about this over the course of the season. He brings in the hey, Dan, off the top. Until Wes is back, somebody else has to step up. This is a leadership move, and Patrick, you're a frequent guest, but I don't expect you to be that guy. It's got to come from Gregor Markle. Wait, hold on. It's hold usually on, me, but when we have a yeah. guest, I kind of let see if they want to jump in. It is. I do not. It feels odd. It, it feels difficult to do it as, as the guest in this point. And so I was just, as you said, Dan, I was going to leave it up. Claybon's not a guest, though. At this point, Claybon's not a guest. He's, he's you know. Well, he's, he's an honorary he's hero, but at the same time, he host. can't be expected. He can't be expected. I mean, I just know that if you're one of these people on NFL.com who logged on to like a gigantic motherboard computer in your house to watch this you're thinking this show is off to a roaring (laughs) roaring start here i do i do think about that sometimes because i don't know how many podcasts you guys listen to but i do find myself fast forwarding like the first three or four minutes of a lot of podcasts (laughs) where they're just kind of like screwing around before they really get to it and i do wonder you know i think i would like our first three or four minutes but i do wonder how many how many people like how, yeah, maybe not these, but how many people are like that, like me, just fast forwarding until they get to the real stuff? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I always listen to every second of a podcast. I even listen to the ads. I actually slow down the playback on the ads so I could really soak in. Uh, we don't do ads for <laughs> for some reason on our show with the NFL, but uh, for most people, that that's a part, a component of doing a podcast. Uh, anyway, Mark, I look to you. I've worked for, with you for over a decade now. I would like you to step into that void until Wes returns. I'm just now. We're just going to ask for it. You don't have to help me, but I. Look I to will. You. I will. But it's a it's a sharp right turn from the semi tradition we had established over the past couple of months. And I thought, you know, Greg, he's he's been a management figure before. He understands. Um, adult responsibility, and today he just went totally silent. So it's like, quick now. Now it's Mark's issue to deal with. Well, not thankful for that. All right, so we are a well-oiled machine, obviously, as we hit Super Bowl week. And yes, this this is it. There's a big game coming up uh, on Sunday: the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady. Incredible stuff, and. Um, you know, on that subject. And we got a great show coming up. Very excited. Uh, a special guest. A guest that, you know what? It's a, it's one of those moments. It's when you're like, okay, we're, we're doing something right. Because we got Gene Deckerhoff coming up later on the show. The voice of the Bucks. But before we get to Gene, before we get to the news, including one of the biggest quarterback trades in the history of our league, uh, let's share some opening Super Bowl thoughts. Greg, mm. get us going. Yeah, this was the same show a year ago um, that we were on a boat. Um, it was a controversial show. I don't know if we're going to have as much excitement uh, in this show, as much controversy, especially when, when my opening thought is just about Patrick Mahomes, and this feels like the most obvious hill to be on. Um, but I just want to like appreciate this moment with Mahomes now in his second Super Bowl uh, in his third season, because we, we kind of assume, OK, this is just what it's going to be from now on. We don't know that. I mean, you, we kind of thought that with Brett Favre, when he won three straight MVPs, uh, he'd be in the Super Bowl a lot. We thought with Dan Marino, you know, not that I was around back then, but maybe the only quarterback um, that has started his career as fast as Patrick Mahomes uh, who, when he got to the Super Bowl in his second season. Like, OK, this guy will be back in like we don't know. But this is the greatest player I've ever seen. It's the player just in terms of pure talent. That's given me like the most joy of just like, I can't believe I get to watch this guy play football. Of course, getting to see him do it against Brady is like amazing, but I'm just not assuming it's always going to happen. Like this is his third season and it's the third time he's gotten into a monster game, the second Super Bowl, but against this awesome Todd Bowles defense where it's boom or bust, like I'm just going to like enjoy the Mahomes of it all, soak it in. That's what I'm looking forward to. There, you, In fairness, there is a lot of assumption on your part with that particular player. You said about two years ago he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So I would think you're already spinning forward to another. Just 12, the greatest player I've I've seen, but sometimes it's not all about the quarterback. Things things can happen, and who knows what could happen uh, in his future. But we got him right now. We got him right now in an amazing game with him at his peak. So I'm looking forward. I to do that. find it like slightly shade throwing that Greg just went on like a four minute speech about Patrick Mahomes when the quarterback <laughs> he's playing, Tom Brady. From his yeah, favorite team, essentially made his young adulthood into adulthood a football paradise. I, I don't know how Tom Brady would respond to that. The way you phrase that, Mark, makes it sound like Tom Brady is Greg's dad. Like well, he, he could be. The, the adult role. In some ways, he is. I do, I do think dad. about Brady in his third Super Bowl and kind of what the difference were then. It is crazy to think about. Like, no one thought Tom Brady was one of the five best Super Bowl, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league 
entering 2004 in that playoff run, which is where I think Brady started to go to another level was that playoffs. And then basically every spot onward, but like no one even thought he was a top five quarterback uh, back then, like in the, in the entire NFL, like at the time, not just accomplishments, but like that year. And now to think where Mahomes is in his uh, fourth season, it's just crazy. Yeah. Mahomes hit the ground running as the best quarterback in football in the second year. If you really listen, we're not going to, we're not going to have issues with Andy Reid. Everything's played out pretty well, but he kept Alex Smith as the uh, quarterback for the entirety of Mahomes' rookie year. You, you got a feeling he probably would have pulled a Justin Herbert if he got that opportunity in year one, mm. but I guess uh, we'll never really know. Um, all right, Mark, your opening thoughts of Super Bowl week or excuse well, me, think- let's go Claybon next. Sure, your opening Claybon, thoughts yeah. of Super Bowl week. Okay, well, fitting that I follow Greg, and and it's no surprise that we're kind of uh, on the same wavelength here. And and my thoughts are kind of the same as it always is coming into Super Bowl week. And it's wonderful, right, that we get to invest so much energy and intensity into this game. And the winner deserves all the praise, right? You dream about winning a Super Bowl when you're a child. You dream about playing in a Super Bowl. Uh, But once it's over, and especially if it's close, like last year, uh, we need to remember that the winners aren't, like, selected by destiny, or, you know, picked uh, <laughs> by some deity itself. Uh, we, we play the game, and we remember the game for a reason. And I know after the fact, you can look at a team like the 49ers from uh, 2019 and say, ah, you know, they had holes X, Y, and Z, and they, they didn't do this, and they didn't do, but they were still a really good team, and they deserve to be remembered as a good team. And I don't think it's going to be that much of a problem now that we have a Super Bowl winning quarterback with a Super Bowl MVP and we have of course the greatest Super Bowl winning quarterback of all time on the other side but my thing is if you take all those things away Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady is still Tom Brady and Bruce Arians said uh, last week that he needs a Super Bowl win to validate his career and it's just such a a, to me it's a defeated (laughs) way of looking at sports and I think sometimes Mm. we look at these teams that have won a conference championship, they've accomplished so much, and they're remembered as losers. And the guys who wind up on the other side of the scoreboard get to have chicken banquets for the rest of their lives and talk about all these <laughs> memories they've shared with their teammates. <laughs> and the other guys don't get to do that. And I, I just think that that's an unfair level of importance mm. that we place on winning this game, even though it's great to win the game. Well, the loser the loser gets the chicken banquet. The winner gets the steak banquets going forward. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there is a, there's an old thing. I think uh, uh, Francesa, back in uh, the old days, used to say, you know, it's much worse to get to the Super Bowl and lose it than to just lose in the conference title game. Which I agree. No, I, I don't I, I think <laughs> because you you – have to stick with that being on that stage i think that's one thing claybon like um it's so amplified this is the center of like american culture uh, around this game uh so the stakes are so high to lose that game um and conversely to win it it just changes your life because football and, and and this country and the super bowl is such a big thing it's not just like a, any other game well, and it is what Arians has coached. You know, he, he does have a Super Bowl as an assistant, I believe. Um, but, you know, you believe him, too. This is this is what you want, and and it it's unfortunate, but it's one of the great things about sports, too, is that there's no ambiguity. Listening to players and coaches talk about it that have lost, like, one Super Bowl. Like, you believe them that it that, that never leaves them, and that that is – it's 
unfortunate, but it like it it is part of the the deal. That this is why he's been coaching all this time is to win, is to win a game like this. Mark, I want to uh, tee you up by letting the audience know what we learned right before we started. That Mark watched two hours of NFL's opening night press conferences on Monday. Two hour coverage. He was plugged in, so no one is going to have a better uh, insight on this week than Mr. Sessler, Mark. Well, I mean, number one, I thought that we were all doing that. I, uh, you know, signals crossed. Um, I guess I took the bullet on that front, but I quite, I would say, I this. watched part of it. All right, so Greg watched part of it, but I, I well, was Greg's TV is always on NFL Network, right? We I mean, Greg, that. it's just it's like passing by yeah, NFL Network, well. locked on twenty four seven in Greg's house. So, I mean, here is the thing: like, I, this whole season, um, I think has brought forth some really good things i don't think less we we get the less access for reporters is a nightmare and there are a lot of things about media night if you've ever been there and we we've been there to 10 in a row it's an absolute circus you can't hear yourself think but there are quiet conversations with players and and especially the coaches that i always thought were great a great setup for the week and for me i know that you can go find some of that stuff but that's what i missed but what i liked was the compact nature of how they did it in two hours and part of me was like this was so much, um, this was so, so far more painless than the ones that we've been to. And I'm not trying to complain about them. Just, I wonder if they would ever think about tweaking, in general, some of the media approach to the NFL season. Uh, and it would, for me, media night, it would start right there. But I, I will say one other thing. I love the coaching matchup of Andy Reid versus Bruce Arians. And they spoke last night, and I love what they had to say and just be able to concentrate on the two of them. I remember when Wes and I once went to cover the Harbaugh brothers, right? The press conference for that. And it was like we were watching like two inaugurations at the same time. It was so overdone. And Wes and I were thinking, what are we possibly supposed to write about this event? It's so overblown. I just like taking some of this and putting it a little bit, a little bit more perspective. It's, it's a game. It's a few days from now. These people can speak and we do the game. I don't know if I need to have, you know, Lady Gaga like shouting from the rooftops while I'm trying to hear eight other people talk. Anyways. Um, listen, I, I, you are more of a minimalist, uh, by nature in a lot of ways. I love that the Super Bowl is big and gaudy and overblown. That's one of the things I love about the entire operation. So I, I disagree. Even the media night, I'm not, I have actually haven't been to the last couple. I kind of got out of that assignment. Well, there you uh, go. But when I first, when I first started covering it though, <laughs> I, I thought it was like a thrill. I felt like I was in the middle of everything. Uh, and I do, you mentioned that like. It's not so much the guys on the risers at media night um, that matter because that's when it gets stinky and the body odors and it's really compact in, in a pandemic world. You wonder if that's something that needs to exist. But it is those finding the defensive coordinator sitting off on his own on the bottom level of the arena and you can get up to him and, and get 10 minutes with him on your own. Like all that stuff, that that melts away if you turn this into a big Zoom call every year. Well, but, that would be my bigger point. Like I'm not trying to like take a shot at the event. I think they could tone it down, but... The reporting opportunities are pretty special at that kind of an event. Uh, one, one last little thing, and then I will shut up. If I Blinding Lights, we get it. The weekend sings it, and he's going to be singing it this Sunday. They played it for, <laughs> I'm not kidding, I think 35 minutes during that, that presentation. I, I don't know what the strategy is. If I'm the weekend, I don't play that song during the Super Bowl just to throw everyone for a <laughs> massive loop because it's like I've heard the song 460 times now. I really like it, but... I mean, it's like Hotel California. I've heard the song. I, I really liked it. And now I'm like, I don't need to hear it for the next three years. Now I'm done. This feels like a good from this. How he feels. Yeah. Well, exactly. My takeaway from this is Mark will, will, would enjoy 
I think opening night in any year, even if it was pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, if you were just watching it at home on your TV, I think that I was, was going to say key for well, Mark. it almost <laughs> sounds like Mark's all set with going to Super Bowls going forward. I don't know if that's a, <laughs> in play right now. No, I like a nice, quiet hotel room. I mean, I can. That's I'm missing that right now. We've got kids running up and down the hallway. Okay, so uh, things I didn't see coming in the last ten months, other than the global pandemic and everything that's come with that. Um, and it's certain political events that have unfolded. In, uh, it's been a weird 10 months. Let's put it that way. Uh, one thing I haven't seen coming, uh, I have a whole new appreciation of Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Never thought that would happen. Never in a million years as a Jets fan, tortured by the Patriots. Um, but I find myself rooting for him uh, this season, especially during this playoff run. To me, he's the biggest story of the Super Bowl by far. And I think it's... Truly incredible you could play for one team for 20 years and have all the success he had in New England. Um, Leave in free agency, do the Joe Montana to the Chiefs move. And if he did that, then he went to the Chiefs and uh, he went to the Bucks and they went 9-7 and and he played pretty good football and they maybe won a playoff game and that would have been a really big story about him winning a playoff game and then getting he got dispatched in the divisional playoffs or even the conference title game. That to me would have felt like a success at this stage for a 43 year old quarterback. And that would have been an acceptable outcome. Uh, But instead he plays at a level this season that has approximated his peak. And he takes this new team to the Super Bowl. And I just think, and you guys, I know are all on the same page with this. I think that this is a remarkable sports story. Uh, And I think it's building potentially to a storybook finish. Mm. Maybe not. And maybe none of these things, but the way the story is being painted, that won't have an outcome on how the game is played. Uh, But imagine if Tom Brady does win another Super Bowl, how incredible uh, that would be. It kind of goes to Claiborne's point, too, about remembering the winners. And and the comparison of Montana going to the Chiefs is different in terms of age. Um, But they went, I think, 17 and 8. I just checked quickly when Montana started games. They went to an AFC championship game. And yet, I I think in the history books, you think of like, oh, like he led the league in like interception percentage and played really well in the Chiefs. It does go to show like sort of what you remember. And I think the fact that they won this last game and, and so much of it is the offensive line and the defense and everything else and Brady playing extremely well. It's like history, you do end up remembering the guys who get to this game, and especially, you're right, Dan, uh, if they won this game. Man, I just want it like a lot of points. Just give me the points. All, in the 30s, back and forth, just like the AFC Championship when it was Patriots-Chiefs in 2018. Last guy with the ball wins. That's the game I On want. the subject of Tom Brady and his continuing greatness uh, at age 43, once upon a time, he said 45 was the goal. He was asked during media day, if now he could under, he could see a, a scenario where he plays beyond his 45th birthday, here's what Brady had to say. Yeah, definitely. Again, it's a physical sport, and, and uh, just the perspective I have on that is, you know, you never know kind of when, uh, you know, that moment is um, just because it's a contact sport, and there's a lot of training that goes into it. Um, and, again, it has to be 100% commitment from myself to keep doing it. It's just a 45, Mark. You're right around that age, so. I'm a little it's older. He's, he's, yes. it, it increases my um, total respect for him. And I like what you said about Tom Brady, and I, we're on the same party line there. And 
I have to wonder in general, I mean, I, Greg, I, I, I get your fascination with Mahomes, and I, I think I get the nation's fascination with Mahomes, and it shouldn't be taken for granted or normalized what he and the Chiefs are doing, but if you're in your 40s, how are you not rooting for Tom Brady to pull this thing off? I just find him to be, this is one of the most remarkable mm. sports stories of any sport around. Um, this is when the body breaks down for mass chunks of the population. We saw what happened with Brett Favre in year two with the Vikings. It was Tough on the eyes. Um, Brady at 45, could he play to 46 or 47? He's the one athlete where I would say, I will not doubt this guy until he literally like locks himself in a storage cabinet away from the NFL because it's like <laughs> he's going to keep playing. And he goes to Tampa Bay. And Bruce Arians, it's not hyperbole. The belief he instilled in his teammates and everyone around him triggered this. That's a huge part of this. You don't just plug in any quarterback who's good. It, this is a Tom Brady effect in Tampa Bay. It's just as powerful as his play itself. I almost feel uncomfortable because I'm rooting for both teams. It's, it's like no fun to root for both teams. All right. Men, a major trade uh, went down uh, in the NFL in the last couple days. Detroit Lions send Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for Jared Goff. And multiple draft picks. The Lions will receive a third-round pick in 2021, a first-round pick in 2022, and a first-round pick in 2023. It is the <laughs> first exchange, uh, Patrick Claybon, of former number one overall picks ever uh, since wow. the beginning of the common draft era. It all becomes official uh, when the new league year clicks in on March 17th. When you heard the news, Patrick, what was your first takeaway on the deal? My first takeaway when I heard the news was, oh, God, I have to go turn the camera on and, and do work. But then uh, <laughs> I realized that Kyle Montgomery uh, was actually working on Saturday night. Uh, we eventually uh, came in on Sunday to do a special edition of NFL Now. But that's that's all kimono open stuff. My, my thought was, oh, my gosh, they did it. Uh, Les Need was uh, – we were running sound of Les Need uh, all week, uh, last week, uh, where he's alluding to this beautiful mystery of what happens with Jared Goff. And we knew uh, through – John Wolford starting in the playoff game and potentially starting in the second playoff game if he was healthy, that the the relationship between McVay and Goff, the football player, uh, seemed like it was coming to an end. And so they did it. They, they went and got a quarterback uh, who could perhaps do those things that Jared Goff uh, hasn't done, uh, we'll say. Uh, and we don't know what it's ultimately going to look like, but they did it. They're trying. And, and that's really the, the dichotomy of, of the discussion is win now or accrue picks to try to win later and as a football fan i'm always going to side with the teams that want to win now because these hypothetical picks i don't know who these 19 year olds are or or these 18 year olds that that are going to play in 2023 but i know who matt stafford is and i'm excited to watch him play in sofi next year yeah i am too it's just such an interesting trade for so many reasons that they thought stafford was that much better and 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 I, t- I tend to agree that, that they had to do something. They, c- they couldn't continue along this path with Goff. And so the, the trade terms are so outrageous that it, you know, you're, you're taken aback at first. I look at it like Stafford, and especially if you look at all the other offers around the league, was maybe worth a first and a third. And then getting rid of Goff's contract was worth a first. And so you know it sounds like a lot together. And I know Goff... Um, you know, he's spoken with Michael Silver and he's obviously going to be hurt by this. And there's a lot of people who are saying, no, the Lions really wanted Goff. Like they really view him as a, as a big part of it. That's fine. 
the entire NFL evaluated Stafford and Goff that was involved in this trade basically like the Rams did. You know, that like that no one wanted Goff. That's why you had to pay that much to get rid of him. And the Rams didn't want to get stuck having him when he had $45 million guaranteed the next two years. And a lot of people wanted Stafford, partly because of the contract, because he's not doing much money at all over the next two years and reportedly doesn't want more money. So he's just going to stay on that contract. So that that was part of it. And uh, everyone's critical of the Rams for trading away the picks. I'm somewhere in the middle, but just recognizing that they've done this now for five years and they've been one of the best five or six teams in the NFL. So we, we always say, like, we, we want teams to think differently. They, they think differently. They have not cared about first-round picks, and it's worked. You can't really argue with the fact that they've been, you know, a top team with this approach. And this gives them a chance to compete next year. I'm with you because, uh, you know, I've had my issues with the Rams um, since they moved to Los Angeles. But this, uh, this changed that because I, I like Les Snead and Sean McVay a, being on the same page and rolling the dice and being gamblers to get what they want. Had, the mistake would have been to go through another season with this semi-divorce with Jared Goff um, happening while they have John Wolford and others on the roster. It was, too, it was becoming too big of a talking point. Less need, though, I will say this, because his name is on this thing, and, and there will be people tracking this for a while, depending on how Stafford does. They gave up a first, a second, and a third to go up and get Goff in the draft. They've given up a third and a first and a first to get rid of him. I mean, by all, <laughs> uh, take away the Super Bowl year, by all accounts, that's a costly, that's a player that cost a lot of draft capital and mistakes. Um, but at the same time, from a football watching side of it, and this is just me, two of the most annoying quarterback situations in the league have been fixed. Um, Goff in LA was driving me crazy. Matthew Stafford in Detroit felt like the same thing 45 years in a row. I love shaking it up. I have Jared Goff to me fits the Detroit Lions perfectly. Go enjoy yourself for a, as a bridge quarterback. You're in the right city. But the Stafford and the Rams makes them intriguing. There's so much pressure on this team. This is a Super Bowl or bust team. If this goes south, it's going to be very interesting in Los Angeles next season. I do think. Mm. I think you get half of what you want because I don't think Jared Goff in Detroit is going to necessarily be a fun, even if he's a bridge. We'll see how it goes. And, and well, it and takes him out moments. of L.A. I mean, but yeah, it takes it takes him out of L.A. And I also, I'm not giving out any lollipops um, to Les Need because Les Need was behind, and and Sean McVay who was a huge voice in that organization and ownership, of course, were behind giving Jared Goff a huge contract extension in, in September 2019. That was not very Big long mistake. ago, even if it if it feels like a long ago. So this trade was paying for the sins of that contract. I think a lot of people were missing that when it, when it went down. It's like, oh, you're giving up all those draft picks in addition to Goff? Well, they had to – it was the Brock Osweiler trade from a few years back on steroids. And who knows? This does feel like a great experiment – uh, for the Rams, also feels to me desperate. Ultimately, that th- that they're going to do this and get Stafford and be like, now we'll win a Super Bowl. Well, you, you, I hope you take the next step because we, Patrick, you mentioned you never know with first round picks, but many a titles are built on teams that use the draft wisely, especially their first round picks. Uh, and they drafted Jared got first overall in 2016, as we've noted. No first-round pick in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, and now 2023. Matthew Stafford better stay healthy uh, (laughs) or this is going to get 
this is going to turn into a trade that potentially gets everybody fired, maybe even on both sides. Well, you mentioned the, the draft. Um, in terms of the, getting the picks, they used their pick on Jared Goff, right? And that didn't work out. Uh, so you get it here. Did it, did it work out or uh, did it not work out? Because he had some big seasons, took him to a Super Bowl. What's I, I feel like acting like he was Mark Sanchez or something is not quite fair either. No, I, I don't think, but they that that's what they did on the way out. And maybe perhaps they could have uh, saved the pick in terms of uh, making the trade if they were a little more, hey, yeah, we signed Jared for a reason. We like Jared. Jared's our quarterback. But that's, that's how the Rams didn't feel that way about him. As Greg said, other people in the league didn't feel that way about him. So maybe... In less needs eyes, uh, you prefer to have a, a known quantity than another shot at another quarterback. Right. I mean, Stafford's young, though. I mean, we don't know how good Stafford's going to be with McVay. It'd be interesting. I would love to know what so Anthony Lynn, who was the who was coaching Justin Herbert a couple months ago, went to Detroit to coach Matthew Stafford, and now is coaching Jared Goff. What does Anthony Lynn think about these turn of events? It feels like a step down in terms of um, – your quarterback uh, to work with in my book. He didn't get any credit for Justin Herbert, so why is he going to get any credit either way for Jerry? <laughs> well, Goff? you're right. right. Well, yeah, I think Detroit <laughs> Detroit taking on Goff is is crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's a it's a really fascinating move for them to take on Goff as as part of it that they wanted him. That's fascinating. There's a, the, the money involved is interesting, but I guess a team that is rebuilding is not going to be high in you know going nuts in the free agent market. So I guess they felt they could. Take it, take it on. It all also is interesting. A team that is so focused on blowing up the machine, in addition to having Goff in that contract, they only got in 2021 just a third round pick out of it. So the true like marquee draft picks don't come until next year. I, I guess if I'm a Lions fan, I'm. I don't know. I guess I feel okay about the trade. You got you got the draft assets out of it, and Goff is. Not anyone's idea of an exciting quarterback, but certainly you could do worse as a bridge guy. Um, I would give I would give the Lions the edge on the trade, um, but I also see how it could potentially backfire if Goff continues to regress. Everyone's going to look pretty bad, I think, in that building. If you're a Lions fan, though, you've spent your entire fandom of a certain age watching you know Megatron play a long career in Detroit and nothing came of it. Barry Sanders, long career in Detroit, retired earlier than he needed to. Nothing came from it. Matthew Stafford, another another piece like that. So Jared Goff is a bridge. I love what Brad Holmes did to get the draft picks. I think he learned a lot from Les Snead and got a lot of value from Les Snead. And they honestly, I know this won't happen, but if you look at the whole Deshaun Watson thing, Detroit is a I'm not I don't think this would ever this would be the case, but you've got the draft picks to make a play for anything oh. else in the league, to move up, to go for Deshaun Watson, to get the quarterback you want in the draft. I mean, I think Goff was – I do agree with the Brock Osweiler side of this to some degree, except that it might be a little bit more elongated where you get Goff for a year. But this is not their final destination under center. Right. They. That, I think Goff is most likely going to struggle. I mean, I I, I think he, he's set up to – to totally fail. And Dan Campbell is talking about, you're not going to be able to evaluate this team for a couple years. Like that's the long game. And this is like, I don't think that works in the NFL. Like we've seen teams with multiple draft picks and you know, if you have a great coach and a great front office that can put together a huge team, like that's great, but it's not like the dolphins are, are hitting on all these draft. They've had a ton of draft picks. Some are working, some aren't, but you have to have like a great organization and build that up. And that's just whether Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes 
ultimately have the goods. Goff is set up for failure. And, and, the, and the last thing I, I just wanted to say on like the Goff, the Goff contract was such a mistake. And I, and I've seen a lot of people say like, well, you know, the Rams shouldn't escape being blamed. Well, no, of course they're admitting that they made a, a huge mistake. Of, like they they made a massive mistake in giving Gurley that contract and Goff that contract, and they're doing the Patriots like thing, which is like we're just gonna get out of it. But like this trade is admitting that we made a horrible mistake with that contract, and this is the best way that we think we can get out of it and still compete next year. And they probably will. They have to really prepare for their defense to regress. I think that's part of it too. They're not expecting to be a dominant number one defense. The offense is gonna have to be like a lot better. It's amazing how quickly things changed. Uh, with the Rams and their quarterback. Uh, gentlemen, let's uh, continue talking quarterbacks. Uh, there was an old book series, uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. This was yes. kind of like an 80s and 90s kids um, theme book where, Mark, I know you were a big fan of them. I used to read them all the time. They actually do, they, they basically you, you read the book they, you, and then you have a fork in the road and you actually get to choose where the story goes by uh, nav- you know navigating to the page that it tells you to go. They have it now with my kids. I watch it on like Netflix shows and stuff. They have these similar mm. interactive type shows where you could choose to go one way or another, which is you know a sign of the times. We are going to do our own choose your own adventure, QB style. Uh, Mark, uh, we're going to kind of go around, uh, take turns, but you get us going. Like as we try to figure out what happens, we know Matt Stafford's in LA. He's not going anywhere. Goff is in Detroit. He's unlikely to move. Uh, what's what's next in our adventure of, of quarterbacks in this very interesting offseason? Well, it's my portion of the adventure, so I can start it as I wish. Um, I think an adventure should be, <laughs> you know, it can have some contrast and some issues, but it should be pleasant in the end. And um, I'm thinking what makes me enjoy football? It's this show, doing this show. And so what would make this show more intriguing? How about this? Deshaun Watson. Now, I had to think about this real hard because I think this is the next. This is the next big piece to fall. It can't happen two months after free agency. It's happening at some point. The Texans say no. I don't believe anything the Texans say. So here's the thing: Deshaun Watson, <laughs> not to the Niners, not to some other team. He's going to the New York Football Jets. All right, the Jets for so long. There we go. They. I don't think this fit a month ago. We. Ta- it's funny because we talked about this when these started. These reports started to bubble up, and I thought. The Jets with no coach um, and questions at ownership in, in a roster that needs help, I just don't see it. You can't wish cast them to New York. But Robert Sala changes everything. Their draft capital makes them an ideal trade partner. And I, and I, you know, we don't need to go through the trade terms for all these things. But I would say that you've got to move um, three firsts. And I think maybe one other little additional pick. You get Deshaun Watson. Maybe they throw in like a nice 2027 seventh rounder is just a little tiny hors d'oeuvre for you down the road, the Jets, and maybe an autographed headshot of Jack Easterby. And there we go. The Deshaun Watson goes to New York, and bang, the adventure is off and running in Florham Park. Mm. All right. I love it. Um, very interesting. We talked about – well, we've talked about this a lot now because ever since the report down in Florida surfaced that uh, the Jets were the preferred destination of Deshaun Watson, Rich Zamini of ESPN.com has since said that that's not necessarily the case, so I don't know where, where all this stands, but that doesn't matter because this is Choose Your Own Adventure, and in this reality, uh, he has been moved to the New York Jets, changing everything. As I said, that would change everything, and, and it would be all because of the great Robert Sala that had happened. Let me go next, okay? So now the, the domino has fallen. The Jets have Deshaun Watson. The first thing they're going to do... Um, 
let's yeah, let's say maybe it cost them three first round picks. Maybe that's what the cost was. Now they have Sam Darnold on their roster. The first thing that Joe Douglas is going to do is to uh, recoup some lost draft assets. He moves uh, Sam Darnold to the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Shanahan quietly was looking for a fresh start at quarterback. So he sends a second round pick back to the Jets for Sam Darnold. And now the 49ers have um, a situation because Jimmy Garoppolo got a nice contract a couple of years back, but he's been banged up and uh, hurt a lot. I know he got to the Super Bowl last year, but apparently, like Sean McVay with the Rams, quietly unhappy mm. uh, with Garoppolo and thinks he can get the most out of Sam Darnold, who would be potentially a great fit in that West Coast offense. So uh, Patrick Claibon, uh, they now have two starting quarterbacks in that building. Uh, what happens next? Well, the the starting quarterback, uh, if they if the 49ers believe in the acquisition of Sam Darnold, which of course happened because these are the adventures that we have selected uh, today, then that takes away my landing spot for Matt Ryan to be reunited with Kyle Shanahan uh, to play out the <laughs> remainder of his contract with the Atlanta Falcons. So Matt Ryan needing a home. The Falcons looking for a new start with Justin Fields, uh, one of the two quarterbacks from the outer Atlanta area in this draft, along with uh, Trevor mm. Lawrence. He is selected there, and Matt Ryan is traded to the Chicago Bears, uh, where we see how Matt Nagy's offense will operate uh, in the future, in the post-Trubisky world, where they have been looking for consistency. They've been looking for somebody who could perform. They tried to do that in Nick Foles. It did not work. Uh, The Matt Ryan era united with Julio Jones. Perhaps Julio could be on the move as well, a new era in Atlanta. But I would say Matt Ryan. Uh, Chicago bound after we've seen a couple of these quarterbacks mm. in this adventure again that we have chosen uh, that could potentially have been Bears at one time. Uh, <laughs> finally, Matt Ryan in Chicago. Spicy. Wow. All right. Okay. Let me just, like before that. we get to Greg, let me just reset things here. Watson to the Jets. Darnold to the Niners. Matt Ryan to the Bears. Mm-hmm. So now we have two nice... quarterbacks in San Francisco and an opening in Atlanta with mm-hmm. a lot of draft capital. Greg. Yeah, I think um, this would be a tough, you know, uh, test of the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, the trust in San Francisco. Because, um, you know, there's some thought they might want Kirk Cousins, their old buddy. You know, they don't get Matt Ryan. They do get Sam Darnold. And then there's no point of having Jimmy G. So you just call up Bill Belichick, who uh, who never really <laughs> lost his love for Jimmy G. And, you know, Bill loves the deal. He just loves how it looks that he traded Jimmy G for a second-round pick. And uh, he sends, you know, he gets a third-round pick to get him back. He sends a third-round pick to get him back. They would be thrilled. Third round? Uh, wow. Third round. I mean, no one's given up that much for these guys. I don't. I don't think um, Garoppolo on this contract. I, maybe a second or third round. Maybe it's that second rounder. Either way, he returns to New England, and um, they they have some faith that he fit well in their system. Did not in Kyle Shanahan's, but I think they'll evaluate him based on what they know about him, and and they loved him. And I I think I think that is the quarterback. If the Bill Belichick gets his choice of choosing all of his adventures this offseason, that's just my suspicion is that's his number one choice is getting Jimmy G back for a relatively uh, affordable price. And, and that's how they move forward. Greg, you know, I, I have to say, um, you know, I enjoyed the report that surfaced that 
Matthew Stafford said, I will literally go to any team but the Patriots. And I know in a way <laughs> that, that that hurt you because you, you're thinking to yourself, man, things have changed. Uh, the, in New England, it might not be a place people want to play anymore. Well, I think this is like a lot of Patriots stories. You've thought about it a lot more than I have. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. this is what happens when you bring Matt Patricia back. I mean, who needs Matt Patricia? That's... That's for sure. I mean, uh, I did not look for, you know, Matt Patricia would be nowhere near that quarterback room. Right. But that's, that was part of the reason Matthew Stafford. Yeah. If you, if you're Matthew Stafford, you want to stay away from him. I don't think that was, it does sound like there was a lot of teams in on Stafford. We didn't get into that. There was about six or seven teams. You know, if we're to trust Albert Breer's reporting and why wouldn't I, um, it's really interesting who went hard after him. The Patriots were pretty, were very, not in the ballpark um, of the Panthers or the Rams, uh, who went super hard. They were they were they, they were just, the they were trying to get, they, they were trying the to get them for the cheap. State. Right, they weren't even close, so it wouldn't have mattered. Um, do do we want to keep going here, Mark? Uh, do you have uh, do another spin? I do, I do. I, I think okay, that, go um, ahead. Yeah, when when Let's Deshaun, go around one more. When Deshaun Watson went to the Jets, if I had to guess who would be the most annoyed person out there. I would go Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper. I think he um, uh, they're going to make a hard push for that. I think they want a, a quarterback that they can basically go right into the skies with. I mean, we saw the Teddy Bridgewater signing. I don't think it's about let's draft someone. So here's what I've cooked up here. Tell me what you think. The Dallas Cowboys um, are have a, have a Dak Prescott situation, okay? And Dak Prescott in the shadows right now is annoyed, Okay, like, A, you signed everyone else on your offense to long-term deals while leaving Dak Prescott out there. He gets hurt. Jerry Jones says a bunch of nice things about, hey, we're going to bring him back. We're going to sign him. He's our quarterback forever. Uh Uh-uh. In this offseason, something stunning will occur, all right? This is what I predict will happen, that the Carolina Panthers, they will, number one, wiggle their way up in the draft from number eight to number three, the Dolphins pick. They will use some draft capital, and everyone's thinking, oh, they're going to go after their guy at number three, whether that's Justin Fields, whether that's, you know, it could be anyone, whoever they like. It's going to be a quarterback, though. But instead, Zach Wilson, instead they basically ship that pick along with other draft picks to the Cowboys for Dak Prescott. They solved that situation for the Cowboys who are in a bad like it's like a Deshaun Watson super light scenario. There's not, it's not quite as nefarious. But Dak, Dak Prescott, who has been franchised by the Cowboys, goes and signs a new deal with Carolina for five years. They've got their quarterback forever, and the Dallas Cowboys use that number three pick. And we can get into the draft stuff later. But I would peg them as taking Justin Fields at number three with the New York Jets out of the mix for a quarterback at number two. Mm. All right, love Very it. Very interesting. Let's let's stay in the NFC East then. The Philadelphia Eagles, you know, there's a love affair, obviously, with um, Howie Roseman and management and Carson Wentz. We're so we're told, and they they chose Wentz over Doug Peterson on some level. Well, that's all smokescreen. They they got to trade Wentz. They got to get him out of there. <laughs> uh, they're trying to keep his value up. Um, I know his cost prohibitive with some of the certain things with the cap, but they'll figure out a way and and, and get the fresh start and move forward with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni as the head coach. Uh, so they send Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts, a, a Colts team that just had a one-year experiment with Phil Rivers. And uh, I read a report this week that the Colts are not looking to bring in some rookie 
uh, to groom. Uh, no, they, they believe they have a Super Bowl window that's open right now. They want a veteran quarterback and follow the, follow the dots here. Of course, Frank Reich, uh, the offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl champion Eagles is the head coach of the Colts. If Frank Reich can't fix, fix Carson Wentz, nobody can. So he gets that fresh start in Indy and the Eagles also desperately get the fresh start they need and get that toxic uh, business. Uh, not necessarily Wentz. Mm. I'm not saying he's toxic, but the entire situation is toxic with the new head coach and these two quarterbacks. Get rid of that problem, and um, you get a, maybe a first-round pick out of it. Mm. Woof. First round, man. I With that maybe contract, second. it'll be tough, but I, it wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't. I think people. one thing people missed on the Nick Sirianni presser after they were done kind of uh, – making fun of him, you know, and being a little nervous was, man, they were noncommittal about Carson Wentz. I have not bought this narrative that they're only hiring the head coach to rehabilitate Carson Wentz. The fact that they're putting him and Jalen Hurts on um, the same footing, that they hired a QB coach with a history with Jalen Hurts. I, I think if they can get the right offer, and that just might be any offer for Carson Wentz, I think they might move on from him. So I don't think that's a crazy one at all. It feels like, if anything, they've done whatever they can to pump up or you know not allow his trade value to sink even further. If it's clear you're moving on, you get him for nothing. But if it's like, this is our dude, we've got his life-size poster in Howie Roseman's office, everyone loves him. Oh, we wouldn't think of trading him, but you blew us away with an offer. Well, there you go. Um, all right, Claybon, you are up. The Denver Bronco fans are like, please talk about us. Uh, we don't believe in Drew Locke anymore. Please give us something new. And that's the problem, uh, Dan, because I think they do believe in Drew Locke. And so they stick with Drew Locke going into another <laughs> season. Of all of this chaos is going on, everybody's moving around. The Denver Broncos are, are, are sticking, and they are true to Drew Locke. They, they are locked on to him, uh, if you will. But all the turmoil going on in the South. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, as Mark said, are, have, have their eyes on a quarterback. But they also need, they need a bridge. Uh, they need a bridge to get to Justin Fields. They would like to wait uh, in this circumstance, in this mm. adventure uh, that we are chosen, that we have lived in. And it, it just so turns out that there's another quarterback that's been maligned in, in this very trade situation with the Carolina Panthers, and that is Teddy Bridgewater, finding another team, another team in another year, in another, oddly enough for him, bridge situation. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater back in the, in the South. Uh, in the Dallas Cowboys, in a loaded offense with so much talent around him, trying to fend off uh, the rookie uh, Justin Fields, it's it's going to be something for them to talk about in the in the metropolitan area down there. There mm. is a there is a irony to Teddy Bridgewater's career becoming the ultimate bridge quarterback. I love that the bridge over the water. I here's my my <laughs> one thing on that. Don't they already have like one of the top bridge quarterbacks in the league in Andy Dalton? I know he's uh, entering free well, agency. He's a free agent. But- he knows the he knows the offense. He he did some things. The, the man is. Uh, the do we think that Bridgewater synonymous. is a big upgrade on Andy Dalton? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Well, he's going to start for the Broncos, so you know, uh, get excited, Denver. <laughs> no, no, I'm not really doing that. But who knows? There might be a, there might be a market. There might be a market for Andy Dalton services. But I'm going to throw in one last one while we're talking bridge quarterback. One of my one of my favorite um, little subplots. Just following. Saints Twitter talk about you know things change fast they change fast in New England after Brady died I mean uh, after Brady left wait wait a second <laughs> yeah I'm saying said his career so after he died much yes it's everything um, makes more sense now 
Everything makes more yeah, sense. Go after, ahead. It's like, bye-bye. After that, after that all went away. The new trend, like, people, people are worried that they're going to lose Jameis Winston. They're like, I don't know. There might be competition for Jameis Winston. And I say no. I say you live on. Jameis resigns with the Saints and puts Taysom Hill on the bench. And we're going to get to see Jameis Winston. Hey, that's what it, it's what um that's what Tom Brady Senior said, right? That these careers they always they never end well. So I mean, or there wow. are like it's like oh Tom Brady, you could split his his career into three parts, and he's a Hall of Famer. It's like that's maybe us. there are just like the real Tom Brady, who his human body ran yeah. out like in two thousand and seven. And we've yeah. got, you know, multiple sort of synthetic ro- half-robot versions of Tom Brady being opened He's, up and released I, every four or five years. Greg, you, it's like the uh, you did noble There's work. a new one uh, all the time. You did noble work, Greg, <laughs> soldiering on there after that incredible revelation about, like, what goes on in your mind. Uh, can you say it again though? Because I wasn't able to process I mean, the other football. What stuff. he's he's on the mass he's on the the mass uh, turn he's under the mass turnpike with those balls no, no. and Peter McNally the deflate gate guy. <laughs> no, you said something about James Winston. It's... Oh yeah, he's gonna return to New Orleans. They're they they're a little worried that uh, they might lose him, but I say no. Gotcha. I want to see James Winston uh, in this scenario and that he ends up being their their QB. They that, that's all I need. And um, I will put a cap on it by saying that the Broncos will give Drew Locke the same four-year, $134 million extension with $110 million guaranteed uh, that the Rams gave to Jared Goff in September That's perfect. 2019. So you don't have any issues. <laughs> That's going to happen. It's mean. It's mean. One little, one little note mean. that the listeners should uh, pay attention to. While we were doing this segment, Tom Pellicero reported that the Falcons intend to trade Matt Ryan during the 2021 season or year leading up to it. So I'm just telling you that, you know, you maybe just can take a nap during the entire offseason. We might have mapped out everything that will occur. <laughs> it, was the, uh, it was the total opposite. Before we move on, the, the report from Tommy P was the Falcons do not intend to trade <laughs> Matt Ryan. During I read the- it wrong. Nobody, nobody no, intends to trade ha- anybody. I read this it wrong. Gentlemen didn't it's sign Odell show. to trade him. So. All right. It's a live show. I, just, live I was attempting to spin right. it. Patrick, this is uh, when we say goodbye to you. Uh, you are a busy man. You have to be on the network and be. Now you have to put on your, you know, Tom Brokaw hat, and you have to be the face of the news operation. We thank you though for your opinions, uh, your levity, and, and your general disposition, which is always pleasant. Oh, thanks, Gus. Uh, <laughs> all the same to you, and I, I look forward to a fun Super Bowl week of watching y'all's coverage. Virtually, <laughs> as we do. Very good. All right. Coming up next, uh, we have Gene Deckerhoff. Ball contact goes towards the end zone. It is a caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans. What a way to start the football game in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Gets a block to the right side. Got another block to the five. Three, two, one. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Buccaneer. Fortnite refused to go down. Scotty Miller in the open. Makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Scotty Scooter Miller. And Brady puts it right on the spot. Godwin running to the He's got the first down. Bucks are going to win this football game. Bucks win. Tampa Bay is heading to the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. I can't even begin to tell you how excited we are to have this man on the show right now. Every Sunday night, the flagship program, uh, when we play the highlights, he was the unquestioned play-by-play MVP of the 2020 season. You know exactly who I'm talking about. It's Gene Deckerhoff, WFUS. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Seriously, Gene, we're pumped up right now. 
Yeah, we popped out. How about this? You got Mitch Holtice doing the can. Touchdown, Kansas City. And touchdown, Tampa Bay. Fire the cannon. We can't fire the cannons at Super Bowl 55. I wish we could. And by the way, that's a bummer. Gee, and those calls a week ago, the cannon powder wouldn't fire in 28 degree weather in Green Bay, Wisconsin. No, we didn't have cannons. (laughs) Gene, so um, we're good friends with Matt Money Smith. Uh, who is the voice of the Chargers? You mentioned you mentioned Mitch Holtis um, over with the Chiefs. It feels like a fraternity with the radio guys. Are there rivalries? Are there some play by play guys that don't get along? Or are you all buddy buddy? Are there meetups and non pandemic times? Take us inside the world. Well, I know this that uh, during the pandemic we have remote broadcast, so I haven't had a chance to visit with some of my colleagues that broadcast. But uh, Mitch, uh, I first met Mitch when he uh, broadcast Kansas State football and basketball, and uh, uh, a coach by the name of uh, Lon Kruger had been at Kansas State and had taken the job at Florida, and I was working television at the time, Channel 6, a CBS affiliate in Tallahassee, and so I called, and Mitch was, I did an interview with Mitch via the phone talking about, you know, Lon Kruger and uh, what kind of coach, and and Mitch at that time said, I never thought Lon would leave Kansas State, but he did, so then uh, uh, probably about five, six years after that uh, conversation, Mitch became the, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's been doing a great job ever since. And he's he's uh, he did a Super Bowl last year. He's got a chance to do back to back Super Bowls, and uh, I, I go eighteen years in between Super Bowls. I don't know if I'll be around another eighteen years, but <laughs> Gene's been doing it, boys uh, and listeners out there, since nineteen eighty nine for the yeah. Bucks, and he also double dips with Florida State, where he's the voice of SF- FSU. So. Gene is a, is a legend uh, down there in Florida. Oh, yeah. I learned all this on GeneDeckerhoff.com. People should check out this website. It's hot. I mean, poor, poor Gene. They got him working Florida State BC Eagles Tuesday night. Feels like that's going to be a letdown. Uh, I uh, I am curious, Gene, because like, you you know Tampa more than anyone. Like, I don't think people from the outside knows what the Tampa sports scene is like. Like, What would another Bucks championship look like? Because you guys are kind of the – the city of champions right now, or at least making the championship. This is, this is three in the last year that you've made the finals. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, uh, won the championship in the national hockey league. The Stanley cup was held high over Tampa Bay. And, uh, uh I'll tell you what, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays came. Oh, so close. Oh, so close to winning a world series. So they finished second, I guess, to, to, to the Dodgers. And, and, uh, here we are the Tampa Bay Buccaneer football team. We're playing for the Super Bowl championship and trying to add one more Lombardi trophy. I heard Mayor Castor on, uh, uh, NFL, uh, Super Bowl channel on Sirius satellite radio last night. And she was talking about, you know, this is the city of champions. This is title town, Tampa, Florida. And, uh, it's, 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 oh, by the way, you know, the Toronto Raptors are playing out of Tampa because of the COVID pandemic in Canada. And uh, she said they're going to try to lure them down to uh, Tampa after the pandemic is over. I don't, hey, Titletown sounds appropriate. We just played in Titletown, Green Bay, just north of the Florida border where I, I, I live in Tallahassee, which is about 28 miles to the Georgia border. But Valdosta is known as Wintersville, USA, for their high school football program over there. So, yeah, a lot of titles being thrown around. That's salt in the wound, Gene, to uh, Packers fans that are listening to our yeah. national broadcast right now. <laughs> Well, what, what do they want, 18, 19 championships? How many more do they need, you know? That's fair. That's true. I think you, just reading about some of the stuff you've done, we mentioned Florida State. You had a show with Bobby Bowden, who I grew up, you know, that's sort of the earliest inroads I had with college football, and that you worked with Burt Reynolds, of all people, and now you're announcing games with Tom Brady. Um, 
Do you still love football as much as you did when you started all this? Is, is it still as um, much of a joy to you to, to cover it? You know, my wife keeps telling me, you work too hard, you work too hard. I'm always in my office, which is in my home. And so, and she's retired. She's been retired 10 years. She says, you work too hard. Why do you work all the time? Can't you spend time with me? And I said, you know, honey, if I was hammering nails or uh, <laughs> growing rivets, I probably would have retired 10 years ago. But I'm doing something that I really love to do, and that is broadcast sports events, particularly football. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm a basketball Jones. I played basketball. I never played football. But, uh, uh, yeah, I enjoy broadcasting mm. uh, sports events. And I hope to keep doing it for a while. The Lord will tell me when I have to stop, and he hasn't told me yet. Mm. You know, Gene, I mean, Mark mentioned it. I have to ask, and unfortunately he passed away in 2018, but Burt Reynolds, one of the all-time legends, um, he used to appear on the Bobby Bowden show with, with you as the host. And do you have any – Bert stories? Did you ever hang out socially with Reynolds? <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of Bert stories. Rest in peace. Uh, oh, give Buddy us Reynolds. one. Buddy, Buddy Reynolds, uh, 82. And uh, uh, his his college teammate at, at Florida State University back in the 50s was a fellow by the name of Vic Prenzi. And uh, they were best friends, stayed friends uh, after Bert went off to star in movies and everything. They, they stayed in, 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 in Vic. And I broadcast Florida State football. And, and, and then when the USFL came into being, the Tampa Bay Bandits, the franchise in Tampa, uh, was part, part owner was Burt Reynolds. And uh, Vic and I did their games because of the relationship Vic had with Burt. And uh, we're, we're broadcasting a game in Phoenix, Arizona. I had just taken the job to produce Coach Bowden's TV show and also act as talent and continue the play-by-play announcing. And uh, uh, he, he would always come up and do a halftime interview. And we're in Arizona. I'll never forget uh, uh, Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe is where the uh, Arizona franchise played. And uh, Burt comes up to the booth, and everybody in that stadium, they weren't watching the halftime show. They were waving to Burt Reynolds in the, in the press box, and he was waving back. And, I, and when, when I got back to Tallahassee, I dropped a note in the mess and thanks you know, so much for coming on at halftime. It's always great seeing you. And uh, I, I've got an idea about Bobby Bowden's television show that I, I, I'm now producing. And uh, would, uh, would you be interested in uh, doing a few things for Bobby? And he sent a letter back. I wish I had that letter today. I don't. I don't know what happened to it. But he said, anything Bobby needs, you just let me know. And I came up with great moments in Florida State football and uh, wrote the scripts and did the research. And uh, uh, we recorded in Jupiter, Florida. We recorded in, in Beverly Hills uh, uh, three, four times. We had a place in Bel Air. We recorded there once, just uh, in the L.A. area. And uh, uh, one time we did it in Atlanta uh, on a location when he was doing a, a Cop and a Half we did in Tampa. He was doing another movie in uh, 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 in the Miami area. And we went down there and met all the stars that were in the movie and everything. But uh, it was a great relationship. He did that for 26 consecutive years. Now, you add that up. If he, wow, was getting, wow. you know, if he was if he was getting SAG fees, we'd have been paying a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the cop and a half reference. That I remember Such that. It was Burt Reynolds way, is a cop. <laughs> yes, and a young, preco- precocious kid as his partner in crime about 1991. He said after that, don't ever star in a movie with a youngster because they steal the scenes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have a favorite call from this year's team? Like, you know, either a favorite call, just a favorite moment from these 2020 bucks or like a moment you realize, wow, this team actually might be as good as, as we thought, as we hoped going into the year, or they might even be better. 
In 32 years of traveling from Tallahassee to Tampa, it's a four and a half hour drive. And uh, my wife and I make it uh, uh, every Sunday for home games, obviously this year. Uh, but uh, back on November the 15th, the one and only time I've had an accident driving to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers Ooh. game. I ran over a mud puddle that dropped off about a foot and a half, and I'm dragging metal for the next 77 miles to Raymond James Stadium. And I'm glad I got there. It didn't uh, spark on the, on the uh, uh, turnpike, didn't explode the vehicle. But we got to the stadium, and uh, I got there and was fortunate to broadcast the only 98-yard touchdown run in the history of Buccaneers franchise. Mm. <laughs> Brady, hard count, hands the ball off. Rojo pops it free. Out across the fence, hands to the 15-20. Rojo to the 30. Rojo to the 40. Rojo to the 50. Rojo to the 40. Rojo to the 30. High seven to the 20. It'll be a 98-yard touchdown run by Ronald Jones the second Touchdown, Tampa Bay. With Rojo. Run, Rojo, 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 Rojo to the 30, Rojo to the 20, Rojo touchdown, Tampa Bay. 98 yard touchdown. <laughs> Carolina, but we broadcast from where we broadcast from Tampa. But that has to be the highlight. Now, almost every one of the uh, touchdowns in the postseason this year have been really, really outstanding plays by uh, outstanding players. But, you know, it's not just the touchdowns. I know the, the highlights package that you had was was touchdown Tampa Bay, touchdown Tampa Bay, Bucks are going to the Super Bowl. But there were two or three third down <laughs> plays in the New Orleans game and also in the Green Bay mm-hmm. game where the Buccaneers converted. You had guys answer. We had a, a rookie by Tyler Johnson. I mean, goodness, uh, two games in a row, he's made huge third down catches uh, from Tom Brady. And uh, uh, Scooty, Scooter Miller, Tom Tom gave him the nickname. It's Scotty Miller, but he calls him Scooter. But he made a, a big play at every go. These are guys you don't hear about a lot, but they have been very, very instrumental in the Buccaneers advancing to Super Bowl 55. I mean, do you ever you know, just sort of walk around your house and maybe, you know, the wife is taking out a can of peas. She's opening it and putting it in a bowl. I mean, do, is, do you get lured into that kind of chatter around the household or do you keep the announcer stuff uh, to the booth? Nah, not too good. Not too good play by play in uh, household chores. But I do find myself. I have to confess, I, I, I talk to myself. and I say, gee, you're talking to yourself. Come on. Well, you know, that's what I get paid to do is talk. But uh, no, I don't do play-by-play on my, my rights. But basically, you're talking to the guy that carries out the trash, does the dishes, does the cooking. No, Ian does a little bit of that. But uh, no, no play-by-play at home. That's funny. There's a there's a story out there right now, kind of a scary story, in fact, that because of the pandemic and um, there are far fewer flights, that pilots are falling out of practice because they're not getting enough air hours. That will never happen with Gene uh, and his play-by-play call. One last question, because I know you're a busy man, Gene. Uh, November 29th, the Bucks fall to the Chiefs, second consecutive 27-24 loss. They enter their bye at 7-5. and five. They obviously haven't lost since. Back around Thanksgiving time, uh, which I'm sure you were in the house and handling the bird and doing all this stuff because you're a man. Uh, did you still see this as a possible outcome, as a Super Bowl team, the Bucks? Well, you, you know, this pandemic season, we have a, a large family. I have six grandchildren. I have three sons and their wives. But this was the first Thanksgiving and the first Christmas that we have not gotten together as a family. Social distancing, no big crowds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you had that as a downer. And then you drive to Tampa and Kansas City lays one of those 27, 24 things on you. And in that first quarter, I was about ready to wave, wave the white flag. Tyreek Hill had 203 mm. yards. It scored two touchdowns and the first quarter was still going on. So it was a, it was a down event for the family, <laughs> a down event for the announcer. And uh, But then, you know, the, you mentioned the following week it was the bye week. for The, the latest bye week that I can – it's got to be the latest bye week the Bucks have ever had. And I don't know what happened during that bye 
bye week. If it's, uh, you know, the NFL is a grind, uh, on a, not so much on announcers, but on the players themselves and the coaches. And I think getting away from football for a couple of days, maybe getting fresh legs for a couple of days before getting back into the grind, it certainly benefited the Buccaneers. As you mentioned, we have not lost since then seven straight wins going for our eighth in a row. And, it, you know, you, if you go into the Buccaneer media guide, you can't find seven wins in a row anywhere. Go all the way back to 76. We got six in a row once under Tony Dungy, but uh, wow. seven in a row. Counting postseason, we won the month of December undefeated in December for the first time in franchise history. We only played three games, but I'll take it. That's a good one. You'll take it. But uh, uh, yeah, um, something happened during that bye that has made this a more complete football hmm. team. And we fell. Be- we we beat Minnesota out of the bye. We went to Atlanta and fell behind seventeen to nothing. Now take the bye week. Okay, refresh to get out of the grind. Go on the road to a rival team in the NFC South. Get behind seventeen to nothing. And then come back and win that football game. The combination of those two, I think, has elevated the Buccaneers to the most confident I've seen the Bucs play and most complimentary offense, defense, special teams since I've been broadcasting Tampa Bay Buccaneer football. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a thing of beauty when a team gets hot and a team gets confident. I mean, there's no better thing in the world than to play that game or broadcast that game and say, touchdown, Tampa Bay. I'd like to say that about five times. This time. <laughs> uh, All right. Awesome. So very exciting, Gene, and, and best of luck, of course, in the game. It's not your first Super Bowl, as you noted, but I'm sure there's butterflies and excitement building up to it, and uh, we wish you well. And one, one final factoid about Gene, Gene Deckerhoff, that people need to know uh, why this man's a legend. He was inducted into the Florida Sports Hall of Fame in 2000. That was 21 <laughs> years ago, and the man is still on top of his game. Wow. I'm gonna to have to dust that little. I'm gonna to have to dust that little plaque off. It's over here in my office, and I'm gonna to have to dust it. It's 21 years old. I'm gonna to have to dust the thing off. Put a little bit of that furniture polish on. <laughs> hey, that black and drink legally. It's always great talking Buccaneer football. It's uh, it, it's been uh, you know a big part of my life for 32 years, and uh, hopefully a little while longer. And uh, I, I I I called one Super Bowl, and here's here's what broadcasters should never do, fellas. It's late in the third quarter. We're wearing out the Oakland Raiders. We finally went 48 to 21. But we've got like a 31 to 3 lead. And Dwight Smith picks off a pass from Rich Gannon, runs it right down the, the, the gut of the field and scores a touch. And while he's running to the end zone, I said, Smith's got the interception. He's going to score a touchdown. The Bucs are going to win the Super Bowl. And it's only the third quarter. Rich Gannon, <laughs> Gannon then threw three touchdown passes. And all of a sudden, that margin got to like 11. I'm saying, my, how could you say such a thing? And then uh, Dwight picked off another pass <laughs> off another, and the Bucs won soundly 48. But don't ever say, the Bucs are going to win the Super Bowl. This is only the third. I will say that, son. Yeah, I promise. Good tip. All right. there, again, another Gene learns from <laughs> his past to be great in his future. Gene, thank you very much. And, uh, right, again, fellas. good luck. Can't wait for the game. Go Bucs. Stay Thanks, well Gene. and stay safe. Wear a mask and social distance, fellas. All right. Thank you. That's a touchdown, Tampa Bay. Gene Deckerhoff, what a performance. Uh, and we can't we can't lose. When it comes to the Sunday night flagship program, uh, the next time, um, uh, the end of this season, you will hear us either come into the game and the show with Mitch Holtis or Gene Deckerhoff. Either way, you can't lose. Mm. Or maybe your impersonation of Mitch Holtis or Gene Deckerhoff, which is which have been spot on, especially the Deckerhoff. I mean, icing on the cake, yes. Here, uh, here is our uh, week to come before we say goodbye um, for Tuesday. 
Tomorrow, Wednesday, we have a very special Q&A with uh, fans of the Around the NFL uh, podcast. Unfortunately, if you're not in on the guest list, you can't get in. But if you are, we can't wait to see you and to talk to you <laughs> and to have a, a grand old time on Wednesday. Uh, I don't know what we're calling it, the ATN Fan Hero Summit. I don't know. It's a little late in the game to brand it, but that's what we'll call it. Thursday is going to be our official preview of Super Bowl 55. We have a bunch of great guests lined up uh, for that show. Uh, so we're going to blow that out and make our official predictions for the big game. And then, yes, Sunday night, um, we will be back. Uh, the final show of the 2020 season, 2021 season, Super Bowl recap. And can't wait for it. And uh, also Sky Sports. We'll be doing a bunch of stuff with Sky this week. So it's all looking good. And what did we learn here uh, today? Uh, Tom Brady, dead, maybe, to one man. Tom Brady's dead. <laughs> to everyone else, still alive. Um, I've been Matt rooting Ryan, for him this whole season. I was on the bandwagon. I put, I picked yeah. him each time in these I don't games, know. by the way. Freud you kind of told on yourself a little bit there. Comment who was, you, you know, who I was, I was uh, what did we used to call it when we were on an island? A hero pick uh, with the Bucks the last two weeks. So give me a break. You just said the guy was dead. So I don't know. It kind of <laughs> undercuts some of your um, rooting interest in him this season. Matt Ryan will not be traded. That we also have out there. Yeah, that's, that needs good. To be known. that's good to know. Uh, thank you to everyone. Uh, for watching and uh, this is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, uh, Patrick Claibon, Ricky Hollywood, and the whole gang. Until Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.